The He Podcast is powered by Higgy Nutrition. Healthy gut, happy you. Who is he? He is me. Hi, I'm Rafi Redswan. This is he. Here is my chance to share some amazing stories with some amazing people that are inspiring to me. He celebrates everyday people of everyday life. He revolves around conversations that inspire others to change the world and make a difference in life with a little bit of laughter and a whole lot of drama. Join me for personal stories and experiences on health and healing, successes and failures, recovery and discovery, anything relatable and anything in between. He elevates us to rise again and live our very best life. Just so you know, you are not alone. He is with you. We all know that vegetables and greens are good for you and are essential for good health and proper nutrition. However, given our current lifestyles and hectic pace of life, it sometimes is difficult to get all your nutrition on a daily basis. That's where my daily greens comes in. My daily greens is a premixed prebiotic drink that contains chlorophyll, spirulina, pomegranate, ashwagandha, and pagaga, all in a convenient sachet. If you want to be the boss of your health, just mix one sachet of my daily greens with water for better gut health, better energy, and immunity support. I have been taking my daily greens for some time now and have noticed some improvements in my gut health and my overall well-being. Plus, it tastes good. As a special offer to listeners of the He Podcast, you can get 10% of your order by using the code HE10 at checkout. Just head on to HiggyNutrition.com, that's H-G-H-Y-Nutrition.com, or visit the link in the description below. I'm so excited. Okay. See. <laughs> Okay, I'm calming okay. down. You're hyping okay. it up. Calm down. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Sky Malavili savors every moment in time to make a difference. In this episode, he unpacks her journey of becoming a change maker and the motivation to influence others and persuade someone toward what matters. Her ultimate focus is on children and animals. She gives a glimpse of Arika, a social enterprise she co-founded that empowers underprivileged communities to participate in entrepreneurial activities to achieve self-sustainability. The journey wasn't easy to begin with. She touches on issues surrounding the orphanage system in Malaysia and why it's imperative to pay attention to regulating the monitoring system to ensure its safety and reliability. The nuance of this moment in time is to find the balance between reflection in life and being present, uplifting the need to care for the welfare of orphans and animals, which provides her with a whole new spectrum of life. This is her story. Hi Sky. Hello Rafi. How are you? I'm great. How are you this morning? Good. I'm very well. I had a busy week and then um, I was so looking forward to this conversation. Uh, yeah, my week's been pretty yeah. hectic too. There were lots of ups and downs. But yeah, yes. weekend is a weekend, yeah. right? Thank you for saying yes to this. And I've been, you know, I think we've been talking since a long time ago. And then I finally have you over today to talk about a moment in time. Yes, and I think 
the title kind of resonates because um you know since we've been talking for quite some time you can see that the priorities mm. in my life took a big shift you know over yeah. the course yes. of you knowing the things that i do on social media so yeah yeah i can see that you're very active you you voice out a lot of issues online as well i think that it's an inspiring thing to do but also i think this conversation with you is about how your journey in becoming uh the person you are today behind the motivation mm. to influence others and persuade someone uh towards something you know uh, to make a difference in life and find a moment to reflect upon the time in life you have lived to be present in all that you do today so what is your moment in time what makes you the person you are today mm i think when i say this it's going to sound extremely trivial because i don't know if you were expecting some kind of like super life changing moment but for me it was as simple it was as to me it's very significant thing is getting a rabbit <laughs> yeah it was yeah. that simple my whole life me and my sister my brother we've always wanted a pet we wanted a dog mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. but my mom's always been against the idea because she's had a dog at her younger age and then she lost it and she felt that that kind of pain was too much for kids to handle one mm-hmm. second she didn't trust that we could you know handle the cleaning the taking care after of another creature when she's doing all the that for us so mm-hmm. for a very long time she didn't allow such things in life and then when covid struck my brother and his friends they uh, well they were university students a bunch of young kids they went to a pet store and got a rabbit for like 30 ringgit and they've been raising it in their campus but when mm-hmm. covid struck and everybody had to go home nobody wanted to take that thing home and my mm-hmm. brother said that i'm not going to leave this here like who's going to feed it and then he didn't ask my mom's permission because he knew my mom's going to say no so he just packed it up and brought it home anyways and he yeah. told her Oh, it will it will go away in two weeks. In two weeks, I'll give it to another friend. They'll come and get it. So my mom was like, "Okay, two weeks, only two weeks." But then we knew it's not gonna happen. <laughs> we yeah, knew it was gonna yeah. stay. So when the rabbit first came home, I had no idea what a rabbit is. It has, I've always just seen it on, you know, cartoons or rabbits, carrots, things like that. Like I had no concept of rabbit is a very delicate pet or whatsoever. But when it came, then I saw that it had some sneezing going on. And when you Google, it's like, oh no, rabbit's not supposed to have sneezing going on. I was like, okay, let's take it to the vet. And when you took mm-hmm. it to the vet, the vet was like, what's your rabbit's name? I'm like, I don't know, it's not mine. But then at that moment, you're supposed to register and go in. I was like, oh, my rabbit's called Bunny. So you just fill up mm. rabbit's name, Bunny. It's like the most cliche thing. But that moment onwards, you know, nursing the rabbit and learning every step on how delicate they are and coming to know her personality. that has been the most important thing that has happened to me it has made mm. me such a better person like suddenly everything is important like previously all stray animals were just stray animals they had, did not have any significance in my life but having had and to love this rabbit now suddenly all those animals i feel like i can see a difference in them like i can see that they have a personality i can see that they have a life i can see that they have difficulties it's like I feel like I've opened up a new eyes, you know, to see yeah. to see love in in the creatures around me. Yes. It's funny you mentioned that these animals have their own personality. You can notice that, right? They have they are unique just like us. Yes. And you find them definitely are. Yeah. It is how to say it is very important it um the person I was 
uh, like two years ago before COVID started and the person I am now is like two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Previously, I wanted to become, I had this very innate passion and I wanted to become an artist. I wanted mm-hmm. to become someone who can perform on stage. And mm-hmm. my idea of artist at that time was idolizing this Korean artist, you know, and you know, they had like um, serious beauty standards, which you need to live up to. And I've been looking up to them since I was like eight Mm-hmm. So I hated scars on my body. Whenever I fall down or or if I like accidentally spill hot water on myself, my first thought mm-hmm. wouldn't be, oh my gosh, this hurts. It would be like, oh my God, it's going to scar. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. deep I was involved in that kind of thought of being pretty. I need to follow up to the standards so that I can become a good artist, so that I, people will mm-hmm. choose me to become an artist and things like that. But after getting an animal and loving them, and you know, when you feed strays and then when they're sick, you try to, my whole hands and arms are now filled with scratch marks. And to me now, it's it's like a proud moment, you know? Like when I look at my scars, I know that, okay, yesterday this cat took its medicine and that's why we, it has left this scar. Or there are scars in my body from animals which I took care of and then sent off to foster and then now they have adopters. So when I look at the scars, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this was this cat. Oh, he's doing great now. He has a good parrot now. It's like the scars in my body speak so much more and mm-hmm. I don't hate it anymore so I believe that it has given me like the way to look at myself differently like it's more Mm. important now that although I'm scarred I have so much love Mm. for the world and myself yeah yeah you're also a finalist of Ratu Wanita Malaya and a Miss Congeniality and then to talk (laughs) about these animals changing Mm -hmm. your life on top of this um, being a finalist Mm-hmm. I think it's really, it's it's really, it's two different things, you see, and and you find it in these animals instead of this thing that you wanted to be like when you were young. Yes, definitely. Ten? Because Ten? when I was young, um, oh. you know, sometimes you have dreams, but then your dreams you don't achieve those dreams. I was mm-hmm. very cooped up in trying to achieve this dream so much that I didn't live in the present moment. I was always like. If I don't do this now, later in my future, it will be like this. If I do this now, mm-hmm. I think the future will be like this. I was so looking forward to the future that a lot of times I forgot to live my moment in life now. So when mm-hmm. I was in doing A-levels and things like that, I was I don't, don't remember the moment of being there in the university with the group of friends because I was constantly like, okay, this is not important. It's not going to help me in my future. It's not mm-hmm. going to help me become this person I want in the future. And when yeah. that image that I was trying to achieve in the future didn't happen, I broke down. You know, because mm. I couldn't see any other option outside of life. Like, what do I live for now? Like, is, if this is not going to happen, what do I live for now? How do I steer my life now? And that was mm-hmm. one of the crucial moments when um, my bunny came into the life. So it's like, it shifted everything. Like, when you wake up in the morning, now there's an important thing for me to do. I need to feed this rabbit. I need to give it medication. And you kind of bond with it, you know. You see that thing grow into a more... A more personal, it has more personality now. You can see that he's more confident, she's more confident, and that gives me more confidence. So yeah. now suddenly, that that trivial thing about looking forward to the future changes to everything that I want now is to spend time with this rabbit. You know, to create as much memories as I can with this rabbit and live in the mm-hmm. moment with this rabbit, and that mm-hmm. kind of changed everything because when you live in the present, I feel like you get to look around the world more you know like I, I now have a lot of memories with my friends that I have now because of this small incident because I feel yeah. like I'm more grounded now yeah 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 do you still get upset now you know that maybe you know I mean it happens to me too like some of my dreams 
did not come true. Like, does this animal give you more meaning that if you don't get to live your dreams, but do you think you can still be hopeful to your dreams in the future? Oh, definitely. You see, yeah. I wanted to become a Korean artist, you know, yeah. those idols who sing and dance on stage. How how much I was invested in this dream was I started learning Korean language at the age of eight on my own. Mm. I'm very fluent in Korean. I can read, write, and speak Korean mm. now. And that mm. wasn't true formal education. I did this because I had the perception that, you know, I was from outside Korea. So in order to boost my chances of getting chosen by the system, I need to have that extra thing. And I thought yeah. that if I had the language, you know, then they would see me more. But at yes. that time, when you go for the auditions and things like that, they did not like my appearances. That was one. So okay. despite me having or not having a talent, that wasn't even their concern. You go yeah. through online audition, as in because I'm an international person, right? So you submit like a voice file and things like that. You submit it and then they screen it from all the applications around the world. And then they'll give mm -hmm. you a date and time for you to go for mm -hmm. the um, indoor audition with them. So before the indoor audition, they don't see you. So they just like listen to your file and then they'll pick out like 100 people from around the world. So I was one of those people who always got chosen in that 100 people. Mm. But when I go there, then you could see in the way that they treat you and the way that they handle your paperwork that yeah. they've decided that they're not going to pick me. Does it have to do with you as a person, your background? The color it has of a your lot, skin, maybe? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely one of the things. It had a lot to do with how I looked instead mm. of whether or not I could sing, whether or not I could dance. They have decided, like, they'll put us on stage, like, six hours for um, an audition. And you could just see that they've decided that, okay, this person is not going to work out. They're, like, you could see the way that they're handling your form, the way they don't look at you. You know that they've mm. decided. That. So it is very, it was painful at that moment because, I'm from a middle-class, poor family kind of person. So for me to go overseas and ha handle this thing, I have to mm -hmm. put everything that I had in to purchase the ticket, to convince mm -hmm. my parents, and then to go and get a hotel and do it alone. Then you go yeah. all the way from here, and then they've decided that they're not going to pick you without even listening to you. Mm -mm. But mm -mm. I still did it. Mm -mm. I still did it like three, four times because I couldn't let go of it, you know, because I knew I could. Like, mm -mm. you would pick me without looking at me in... From mm -hmm. a thousand people who apply, but the moment you look at me, you decide that you tana. It's like it was like why you don't give me a oh, chance. Yeah, kind yeah, of a yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I know what you mean. If I hadn't have, if I didn't have that worth, you wouldn't have picked me in the first place, right? So I wouldn't yes. have been holding on to that hope so much. But you let mm -hmm. me come so close to the crown, but then you just don't, you know, you just cast me aside because of the way I yeah, look. Yeah, so yeah. I, it was very difficult to handle, like. My whole life was just looking up to that. So even now when I see go for concerts and things like that, there'll be a big moment where I'll just sit and break down because I'll be like, that could have been me on that stage if you gave me a chance. Mm. Yeah, I have that yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like even when I see, I sit at home and watch those concerts on TV or when I see like, um, you know, those American idols where they have this winning moment yeah. and things like that, I, I really break down from time to time. I'm like, that could have been me. You just had to give me yeah, a chance, yeah. but you didn't. But it's like me. <laughs> it's like me watching people win an award on Oscar. Yeah. I'm like, supposed to be me. I'm supposed to be you or something. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm better than you, dude. Yeah, I'm supposed uh, to be. <laughs> he was supposed to be me. Could have been but me. If you, but when you participate this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, what do you call this? Um, 
tryout, not tryout. There's mm, audition, mm-hmm. audition. What is it for? What does it entail you to be a dancer or to be a group member of a Korean um, uh, girl pop mm-hmm. band or? At that time, when like you that? enter and when you enter, right, there's this um trainee recruitment system. As in, you when you go for an audition, you showcase all the talents that you have. So if you sing, then you just show them whether you that you can sing. If you dance, then you show them you can dance. If you have a pretty face, you go to show them you have a pretty face. So what mm-hmm. these recruiters do is they gather they gather all these talents from around the world, and then they'll put mm-hmm. you through training for like a few months to a few years, and then from that they will rearrange you is this person going to become a solo if you're most of in a group then they'll put you oh. but the ultimate goal was to stand on stage so the starting is to actually first get recruited into the training system that's the that's the okay. system la. Uh, okay. do you have to pay no if be... you get chosen no. then they'll oh. take okay. care of you yeah okay. but that's the okay. thing you don't get chosen <laughs> Okay, I understand. Okay, what has led you to be on this journey? Like, why Korean would be the mm. moment you think you are interested in? Um, the first time I saw a Korean artist was, I think, when I was eight or something like that. And then it was like an accidental discovery while doing some civic project or something like that. I saw, like, oh, this video. And then I saw them on stage. And as a child, I was a very introverted person like I, I went to a lot of competitions I was always constantly doing um, public speaking and storytelling but that was mostly because I really did not like my class environment and being surrounded by so many people mm. at that point so when I saw them performing on it just gave me a spark like this is it this is meaning of life this is called enjoying mm-hmm. and I was really invested in I really really have this strong urge to want to stand and shine on stage kind of thing I really got no no reason, no way to put it to words on why you want it so badly, but it's just something that you want, you know. Yeah. And then it, it just felt like it was my calling at that time. So I just put mm-hmm. everything that I could as a middle-class eight-year-old, everything that I could put in to become a good artist, I put it in. Like when I go out, like I'll make sure that I dress a certain way because in my mind it's like, oh, 20 years from now, I wouldn't want shabby pictures of my childhood surfacing, you know. Yeah, like I want yeah. to look nice, this kind of thing. So whenever I go out, I would have been, I would have been so conscious about myself. I'll pick out my outfits, look good, mm-hmm. wear heels, this kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like that's how my childhood was because I was so invested in becoming a good artist in the future with clean background and record. <laughs> you know, you try it for a few times, then it comes to a moment where you know it's not going to happen, lah. You know that they're not going to pick you. After mm-hmm. three to four times and I've invested everything that I could invest financially and I just couldn't push into the industry anymore, then you just break down, you know, you go into depression, you just lose yes. a sense of yourself because this has been my whole thing. Like I spent my yeah. entire childhood from eight to 18 doing this and then now when I'm 18, you're telling me that no, you're not good enough. Then I'm suddenly mm-hmm. like, so what do I do now? What do, what do I do of this person that I've created now? Oh, how do I go on in life? Like, what do I look at tomorrow? Mm-mm. Yeah. So this has led you to become a fashion model. After I uh, came to, you know, like, calm down a bit from depression and everything, then, um, and found my rabbits and everything, I was a much, very charitable person at that moment. And then I found out about kids, um, through this NGO called Foreka. Yeah, so at yeah. that one point, we were trying to advertise the NGO and one of the ways was to talk to um, KOLs, you know, people who 
are famous and are about to become famous and I approached one of the beauty pageants and while I was talking to the person I was like can you help me advertise this and then um, the director was like why are you asking for help why don't you come in and do it yourself like you seem like you have the potential and then mm-hmm. you know when someone tells you things like that especially when you've been craving for for those kind of words you know like you can do it you can stand on stage it was mm-hmm. like okay okay maybe this is it maybe we can try this so it was just like the intention was to promote foreca but also okay maybe it's not too bad we can try pageant that was my first step into pageant ah so you started foreca you found it co-founded foreca mhm right and then, and then to the advertise foreca yes. i was like let's try out pageant okay pageant ah, ah. so what does foreca stands for it's a social enterprise for yeah, communities mm it is called yeah. foreca for america untuk america foreca oh okay <laughs> So it's a social enterprise that empower underprivileged communities through their participation in entrepreneurial activities to achieve yes. self-sustainability. It it sounds very nice when you put it that way but it is yeah. not that easy. Okay, the essential idea yeah. under, under Forica is that we found out that in uh-huh. orphanage systems in our country and others once yeah. they are 18 they mm-hmm. age out of the system so they are to leave their current um homes like their current orphanage that's just a rule it's just a law mm-hmm. but then they are not prepared for that life you know like us when we turn 18 we're supposed to pick like college or something we sit with our parents we sit with our relatives yeah. and friends and have a conversation but these children don't have that kind of background community to pick what they want to do in life one second is yes. they're usually very left behind in studies anyways so they're not mm-hmm set for the path of getting scholarship and getting tertiary education and they just True. age out of the system and they disappear mm-hmm. you know yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. as a children they are in the system then 18 they go out and then nobody tracks where these kids go to and from our disappear. research they just uh, disappear yeah. because you know yeah, oh you're an adult now we don't need to keep track of you okay bye we found out that they are very exploitable you know because psychologically yes. they are invested in the system where you give me food you give me shelter i'll do whatever you say that's how their whole way of life have been in orphanages so when mm-hmm. they go out they get exploited by people who are looking for this kind like you know who's looking for drug mules those people in gangs prostitution yes. they pick yes. these kids up and use them because these kids do not have any idea on how the adulting world works They think that's how it is. You give me something, I give you something in return. You give me shelter, I take your things and go and deliver somewhere. They are brought up in that situation and mm-hmm. nobody seems to pay attention to how serious that problem is because we have more than 100,000 children in the system now. It means 100,000 children are probably going to age out and become potential criminals because we are not looking at them. Yes, yes, yes. I was about to say that this happens in America. Um, mm-hmm. People... When when they reach their maturity age, which is eighteen, they do they, uh, most of them disappear, and do you know exactly. what they end up become? They become prostitute. They become oh my um, god, um, uh, drug mule. They also get involved in. They put them in this thing called uh, human trafficking for all yes, these uh, exactly crimes. It's that and, simple. It's yeah, that simple. You just I don't know about Malaysia, then, but I know I know that this it happens, happens in, in Malaysia. Refi, it happens in Malaysia. Worker. Oh, I see. Mm, mm. The thing about Malaysia is nobody knows. Tuna, I, 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 
because we I don't know if I don't want to say if our go- don't government don't care don't but I don't know where they go how. they just disappear yeah they just disappear and the they thing just is disappear. Yeah. everybody is so invested in your life it's like okay once in a while we go and donate orphanages it just I think like it never crossed other people's minds that mm-hmm. these kids will one day grow up then apa jadi dengan diorang mm-hmm. nobody had space mm-hmm. in life to fit and think about it yes. I didn't have that space you know it was an accidental discovery where I was like oh they just go out and become adults and I'm like how Mm-mm. I can't adult <laughs> I'm like yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at 22 I'm still struggling to find my path and you're telling me these kids who've got no relatives no family Mm-mm. most of them came from broken family and have trauma you're telling me that after 18 you just push them out of the only home they Mm-mm. know and Mm-mm. expect them to be adults and I don't know if this figures is correct but at least you see 1 to 10% of um, people that came out of orphanage become somewhere you, you know become something or somebody but where is that 90% that you don't yes, see them anymore exactly. you know what I mean and for you, you know to I mean? find that 1 in 10% is so ha. susah you yeah. don't see yeah, people who are successful yeah. coming out and saying like oh I'm from no. this orphanage it's so rare no. it's so so yeah. rare yeah yeah yeah. so where this. where are these kids yeah. every year children are aging out hundreds and thousands of them so where do they go nobody knows nobody's tracking mm-hmm. these kids and that gives me so much stress for some reason I'm like have a go to the jagged yeah they are our kids mm. you know and one point mm. it struck me like I'm from a small family we don't have extended relatives and something like that so it just came it was a thought that if one day I have kids and say like I die in a car crash or something my children are going to end up in this same broken system mm-hmm. so I was so upset about it like why are we so broken like why is no one turning and looking at these kids you know they mm-hmm. are our community children and I don't mean in a very in, in any insensitive way but they are so similar to our strays you know we treat mm. these orphan kids like how we treat the strays you bagi oh. makan you bagi shelter yeah, then yeah. okay bye nobody takes takes notice like this child probably has a potential maybe she wants to become a doctor maybe she's struggling with depression nobody mm. does that Everybody is mm. just like, oh, dia ada makan, dia ada rumah. Okay, bye. Our friends That's settle. Too. Difficult even as yeah. an insider in Forica to steal this because the orphanage system in Malaysia itself is so hard. Like, they find us, a lot of times, they find us like nuisance, you know, because the organization already have their hands full. They have mm. to wake up in the morning, clean the kids, send all the kids to school and get the kids back, then feed the kids and clean them again and put them to bed. So when we go in and we're like, let me teach your children entrepreneurship, they're like, why are you disrupting my schedule? You know, like we've got no time for mm. this. We already have a lot of things to do. And I don't blame them. You know, they are trying to do their best with the things that they have. It's just that at their point, they cannot prioritize looking into the kid's future because they're so invested in getting them to eat and be healthy now. So when we yes, go in, yes. we are not very accepted. They are, we're always like mengganggu their schedule, their current schedule. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So it's difficult Mm-mm. for Foreka for to even sustain. We have the idea we have the mm. importance but i think we lack how to steer this in this community you know how to get mm-hmm. the orphan managers to realize or how to get the government to look at this and say yeah, you know what these people are right we are losing children to to criminals it's difficult yeah. to get the correct eyes because having difficulty staying afloat because of this uh, because yeah, we, yeah. we can't convince our friends enough and we don't have you know enough hands to go in there and tell them that this is important please let us educate your kids and even mm-hmm. the kids they have to go to school they have to come back they have to like 
adapt, follow their routine inside the orphanage, it is difficult to help them find a time to like, okay, duduk, duduk belajar bisnes dengan saya. It's like, Ah, it's difficult. Lah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What What do you need uh, to get Foreka back on track? You can pour your heart out here. Like, what What do you need? Like, who do you need to work with? Who do you need to get involved? Like, I know the government. What What can you right now? Say we here? just need um, we need people to you know like I just told you the entire problem right? I really mm-hmm. really need people to just see that first. How yeah. big of a problem this is. Like we're not just some random angel which popped out of nowhere. We came out because this problem is so huge. Every year we you, we lose the children into the system and nobody's tracking them. They're not mm-hmm. educated. You know when we went into this orphanage and this girl was like 16, but then their whole life is inside the orphanage. They don't have to go to mama. They've never been to a mall. They don't go out for trips and things like that. They do not know how to order food at mama. When you bring them to mama stall, they don't know how to call a waiter. They don't know what exists in mama because they don't have such experiences in life. And she's 15 and she don't know what a 20 ringgit can buy. But you're mm-hmm. telling me in two, three years, she's going to go and become an adult outside. Like, but the equation doesn't add up. Yeah, yeah, true. So these children, they're not growing in the system. They just live in the system. They get fed, they have shelter, but they're not getting... The kind of life education everyone needs. They don't have any financial knowledge whatsoever. They don't know what is a 20 ringgit. What can a 20 ringgit buy in these days? How to order food. They don't have any of these basic skills. But at 18, they have to leave home and go and become an adult. Mm-mm. So to Mm-mm. me, it's like, I have parents, you know. I go out my friends to the mall. I go to mama's shop. And I, I say that I suffer from introversy. And it's difficult for me and things like this. When you put it into perspective, the problems that I face is nothing compared to these children. They don't even know they have this kind of problem. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it's just sometimes it's very you know concerning. Like, like we're just the government is so cooped up in doing a lot of things. I know a lot of things are important, but children they're the future of the country. You know they Mm-mm. are in the community. It's our responsibility. People always say you know it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. The village is just not there. The child is raising itself. Yeah, I was I was when I was a, a social worker. Um, the, one of the things I said in the training was everything begins at home. Mm. So, if if the upbringing or if their background is not conducive for them to become the person that is, uh, you know, uh, berguna apa berguna <laughs> that is berguna untuk masyarakat. Maknanya, oh, I see, I see. Mm. You know, you know, and if they they don't become that person, they will become a problem to the community. That is true. Ah, uh, when they do, when they become a problem to the community, the whole community will be affected. You will have more crimes. You will, you know, uh, the community is basically it lah. It's 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 not sustainable mm. because when you have more crime. It would just uh, collapse the whole yeah. system. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's like yes. they we always look at the outside. You know, we like oh, we can't yeah. have refugees because it'll contribute to more crimes. We can't have so many foreign workers in this state because it'll contribute to more mm. crimes. I'm like, dude, have you seen your orphanage system? That's contributing to more crimes. Yes, like, exactly. Like, they don't like look, into look that, around. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Betul. 
I feel like it's a perfect crime, you know, for people who want to exploit your kids because I did psychology, you know, I, ha- I have a degree in psychology mm. and neuroscience. So I know how the kill children's mentality work. You know, when you come mm. out of mm. such a, a demanding system, you want to confirm back to it. You will look for that security again. You want to be fed, you want to have a shelter and you want to be told what to do. Children will come out into the community with that mindset. So they will mm. very easily go behind people who offer this kind of things, mm. which could yeah, be yeah, prostitution, yeah. which could yes. be drug mulling. Like that's yeah. how easy you just pick them up on streets. Like you don't have home. Okay, I'll give you home. Come, let's go. Yeah. Finish. Yeah. <laughs> they give all that. They know they get. They go love for it because uh, it's yes. easy. And nobody yeah. tells them what's wrong from right. Exactly. You know, the, the people, the management, the orphanage, they're doing their best, but they've got no time to sit the children down and tell them yeah. what is prostitution, yeah. what is drug mulling, talking about current issues. They don't get into this kind of things. They just lived a very routine life. So when they leave the orphanage, they go back to looking for the exact routine life because that's the only bubble they know. And talking about orphanage, the sad thing, the sad thing, the sad reality about orphanage is, I don't know about Malaysia, but in America, some, yeah, some people who get benefit from orphanage, they the orphanage don't even get that. Mm, understand from what they are entitled for. Mm, you, true. You know what I mean. So it doesn't get to them. It gets yeah. a bit, but. Their, their point of having an orphanage is for them. That's why this orphanage can sometimes we have the system to provide them, you know, to, mm. to be adequate for them to get what they need. But it's often not entirely. Yeah, it doesn't received. go to them. Mm. It doesn't go to them. That is also another issue that I think uh, governmental bodies should look into this. Yeah. That make sure they don't just disappear. <laughs> they get all this. They get this education, information, and you know, you know it's not, com- not Malaysia, luxury. You know, it's not luxury. Yeah, it's not luxury. It's, it's a basic yeah, need. Basic necessity. Exactly. Yeah. In Malaysia, we don't hmm. have a complete record of how many kids we have in orphanage. Like we don't have a name list. It's as simple as that. We have hmm. like. Thousands of orphanages throughout the entire country. It started by some random NGO, some is governmental, some is non-governmental, public, mm-hmm. completely public. But until now, we don't mm-hmm. know the exact number of children in the system. Mm-hmm. The government just has not regulated it. It means you okay. can't go into the government building and find out how many children are there. You don't. You just don't know. Like maybe Sreman ada 20 orphanage then maybe Selangor got another 30 more but nobody mm. knows in this orphanage ada berapa orang budak-budak like nobody is checking on the number you know it could be increasing it could be decreasing there is as simple as a name list we do not have a name list of the number of children in this system when you don't have mm-hmm. such important thing it's such a simple thing you just need to have a name list checklist of number of children in this home and every home yeah. should have one and the government should have a collective record of all this but mm-hmm. they don't so what happens is that they miss out on important things as important as Mm-mm. getting an IC. You know, Mm-mm. at 12, Mm-mm. parents take us to go and get IC. A lot of kids in this system, they miss out on that because nobody's got time to pick you out of your home and go and get IC for you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, at yeah. 18, when they age out, baru they sedar like, oh, tak IC, tak ada keluarga negaraan, eh? you become a stateless child and they didn't even know they've been living in that situation for a long time. Why don't you have a list of kids that are in the system? Why they don't even have a list of the orphanages in the country? 
They don't have a list of maybe they probably have a list of the governmental um organizations you know who registered under the yeah. government, but yeah. those NGOs yang register as rumah kebajikan they don't have the entire list. This is why again and again child abuse cases happen. Hilang macam tu je. Do they monitor like do they do a random uh, check or mm. we you know random check or um we call this uh, they do not spot check but they do regulate this law for this uh, facility they have like sure. um do they, check they have a, a, big, no they don't they have like they things right? like this yeah they have okay kalau you nak start rumah kebajikan you need to have hmm. like um fire extinguisher you need to have um your house must be this big you have to have two to three um facilitators and all facilitators must have a degree Okay, full stop. Then you meet all these requirements. You go to SSM and sign up as a rumah kebajikan. You can open your rumah kebajikan. Full stop. Finish. That's it. And they don't come That's and it. monitor. Nobody goes into these mm. homes to monitor. It, it, I don't know if you remember that child. Um, I forgot her name. That girl with the um, Down syndrome who was severely Minor. abused. Yes. Yeah. yeah you yeah. see, if if that situation of spot checking existed, she didn't have to suffer all that years. Nobody went into this. Nobody goes into these houses mm. and look at the kids. Nobody this does. Serious issue. This is very. It serious is issue. very big. But who's but listening? But it's funny how people how people defended her. It's yeah, funny exactly. people defended like, her. Oh my god! I was it's... so upset to just look at that thing. Like yes. look at that girl. Look at that girl. Look how horrible state she is. Okay, it's okay if you wasn't the abuser, but you're the home facilitator. Nampak ka ada yang kujaga anak. You look at her and you know she's not mm-hmm. been living in a good condition. You're punishable mm-hmm. for that, dude. And how? I, I mean, she she's caught now, but how could she get away with it? I mean, can that is can, how she, trivial? I'm surprised. How, How funny our our judicial system, system is! Oh. Yeah, it's our system because we don't have written laws against this kind of issues because we've never seen this as an issue. That is why we don't have strong laws against it. You know, mm. so when something big happens, it's new, it's new. So we use all the other laws around this issue to mm. conduct to to fight for this issue. But you don't have a specific law for this problem itself. That is why mm. her punishment is tak setimpal dengan benda yang buat. Tak setimpal and people don't care. I mean, I've actually emailed like a few politicians who we know are good public figures. Like people call them public figures. Like I've emailed uh, them and told them about this. And the response I get is like, it's not under our department. We're not planning on doing this kind of things now. Maybe you can approach someone else. Full stop. Then I'm else? like, yeah, like if it's not else, them, where else mm-hmm. you want me to go? Mm. You are the ones who promised to look after the kebajikan. You are the one handling this woman and children thing. And I go to mm-hmm. you and you tell me to go somewhere else. So where else do I bring this problem to? Takkan nak pergi kementerian pengangkutan kot. Itulah. Aduh. Kan? Kalau tak bukan kementerian kebajikan. Yeah. And they really respond that. You know, they're like, oh, we are currently cooked up in doing this campaign. So we can't help you now. Maybe you can seek out somewhere else. Like, they don't even offer like, You know what? Maybe I can't concentrate on you now, but maybe I can give you this kind of support. What do you think? Do you think you need this money, or do you think you need me to give you this kind of things? I have this kind of things. No, they just shut you down. They're like, hmm. we can't do it now. Okay, bye. And I believe the orphans or people who are in this kebajikan, uh, 
placement is mm-hmm. I think most of them are Malaysians too are rightfully yes. Malaysian citizens I know yes. we have issues about non-citizens who are refugees mm. and we have laws about that which I'm not going to speak about but yeah, I, that's a I'm sure <laughs> that's a different episode but I'm sure I'm sure most of them are Malaysian citizens rightfully Malaysian citizens yes Ten. and you I know, know the funny sure. thing I'm... 90% of the kids in the orphanage they have parents they have parents, but they're from like broken families. They're from family, young victim drug of addicts. domestic abuse. Yes, drug addicts, mm. domestic abuse, yeah. where your parents are incapable of taking care of you. So you're now in the system. So a lot of times these kids get visitations from like um, their mom or something like that who is working in a low-cost job and can sustain the child and the child is in the system. Or mm. like sometimes your parents are in prison and you are in the system. Like... That's just it. A lot of them have this kind of family. And I think the system is very fishy too. It is. They con- it is very fishy. They conceal something I don't see in the news very much. They conceal this. Not things. everyone. Not everyone. But it does happen. It definitely does happen. Something fishy. When, very when you funny. look at these kids, you know, and then when you talk to them and you listen to their stories, then you're like, you feel so down to have been, you know, stressing over things like coffee or bread or things like that when this child's mm. entire existence is being ignored. I mean, no doubt some people think this group of people are burdened to the people. Mm. You know what I mean? Burdened, yes, you know, definitely. It's a, burden, it's a burdening issue to carry on because I know people say that they cannot teach them. These people are just like this and like that. But that's not an excuse. I feel like you're not giving them a chance. Like, it is the mm. government's ensure yeah. that the children of the community get educated and are able to live a sustaining life. Itu adalah the responsibility of the government. But Mm-mm. you don't. You let Mm-mm. the parents handle it. So the children without parents, the children without such an important role in their life, they're just left abandoned. They don't get the same kind of education, they don't get the same mm. kind of counselling, they don't get the same kind of scholarship opportunities. They know nothing about the outside world. You keep them like inside a cage. And then one mm. day you just book up the cage and say that it's time for you to leave because someone else new is coming to your cage. Once they release them, where do they go? Like how do they I find out? I don't know, Rafi. Nobody finds out. That's the issue here, you see. Really? That's the thing. I can't go online and find one person who can tell me that I was an orphan and I'm a successful person now. I met like two people mm-hmm. but they're in Australia. So I'm like, what about missions? Are there no successful Malaysian orphans? I don't know. That is why it's scary. I really don't know. Oh, Nobody yeah, has yeah, the yeah. answer to this question. Like, so all this while this child's been living in this system, so they 18 years old, so they keluar rumah, so they keluar mana pergi mana? Mana ada rumah nak pergi? Like, where do they go? Some orphanages that I've seen, uh, the ones that I work with, they have, like, a grace period. Like, they let the child stay until, like, she's 21. Or if the child is, like, uh, if it's a girl or something, then they hook them up with this, um, you know, women's aid organization and charity, all women kind of workers. Some orphanages do that for their children. Mm-hmm. But not mm-hmm. all have that kind of capabilities and time on their hand. So, majority don't. So we don't know what happens. We just lose the children to age. They're 18. Okay, bye. Delete. Delete. Okay, next. Next child comes in. 
Have you seen this movie called Traffic? No. What happened was, this is in Houston, you know, this is in Houston, Texas. It's one of the largest human trafficking, you know. So mm-hmm. what happened in orphanage is that once they reach the age, they sell these girls. Ouch. They told, they told these girls, they told these girls, the orphanage told these girls they are going to get a job and everything. But they're being, they're being sold to a person who would prostitute these girls and they give them drugs so they become addicted and everything so i went to this thing this conference called every victim every time in texas in Mm -hmm. 2017 or 2018 17 yeah they talk exactly this they talk exactly this every time every victim every time you can google this conference um Mm -hmm. they talk how they manipulate these children people they, give, they feed them drugs so they get addicted to it and then this is the life they have to live and then once if authority come to them to um, to save them they don't want to be saved yeah because they don't they, know what's being saved yeah, they're dependent to this this person who is an abusive relationship to them one or two would want to escape but generally they would stay in that in that brothel or in that thing mm. You know, and it's really, it's difficult to see, as difficult as seeing children being abused. It is. You know, we won't even know if it's happening. Because like I said, we don't have something as simple as a name list. You know, Mm -hmm. if we had a name list saying we have Abu, Adam and Siti in the system. If we knew that we have these three people in the system, at 18, we can go and check on them. Like, okay, now it's 18, Abu supposed to leave the system. Where is Abu now? Where is Siti Mm -hmm. now? Where is Adam now? But because we don't have their system, even if they're Mm -hmm. being cut up and sold to people, we wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, even if they've been beaten to death, we wouldn't know because nobody yeah. is looking for these kids. No parent is coming for this kid. You know, no teacher is looking out for this child. She's an orphan who's got no people to hold on to, no people to search for her when she's missing. So if she's missing, mm-hmm. she's simply missing. Nobody even knows she's missing. Yeah, yeah. Now talking about the safety and security concern in this issue, people that talk about this, is it safe for people to raise these issues? Okay, if you say not safe, I mean, I've not mm. come across things like that. I'm not sure how is it not safe. Like, mm-hmm. what, is some kind of, um, you know, black circle lot going to come for me or something? I don't know. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, voice haven't, <laughs> voice haven't reached that far for me to find out yet, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm still just yeah. talking within the 30, 40 people around me. So, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it's safe or not. But the thing is, if it comes to a point where it's not safe to talk about, then there is a bigger issue for to be worried about. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. as a citizen living in this country, I am not allowed to talk about the orphanage living in this country because someone is going to come for me. That mm-hmm. is a very big problem. Yeah, yeah. Well said, well said. A, <laughs> really... I don't, there's really nothing else I can say about it. That's I just a problem. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really well said statement you made there. I'm glad we had this conversation. I did not expect <laughs> this conversation, but I think yeah. this is an important issue that we need to not just bring forward, but to raise a concern. Honestly, if we, not... to be to be telling you honestly, I really don't know how to go about with this. Mm. I know what mm. there is this issue. So to help with that, 
we started Foreca because we knew that these children are very dependent on the system. So the idea of Foreca was to go in there and teach mm-hmm. them about money, you know. And you should tell them mm-hmm. that, you know, with modal serendah 30 ringgit, you can like own mm-hmm. a small bracelet shop and you can go and sell them and then you can get money and you can sustain yourself. To just introduce this concept of an alternative world than depending to other people. That was it. Yeah. That's all we wanted. To tell them that yeah. dengan RM30 ni je, you boleh earn as much as RM100 if you try yeah. and put in the effort. Yeah. That is all that we could offer for them. But honestly, we also don't know how to steer this problem around because there is a bigger problem at hand. You know, other than mm-hmm. just going inside there and treating them True. entrepreneurship, we need, we need the most basic thing right now is a nameless of these kids. Mm. As simple mm-hmm. as that. Why don't we have the nameless of all the children in the country? What so, kalau case aku files? tak ada case files, mm. I believe I that did... each each orphans have it. For example, if I'm opening up an orphanage, I probably mm. have a list of the kids in my orphan and like emergency contacts if I do, macam tu, I ada. So, if mm. you open an orphanage and you have a set of kids, you have it. But if something mm. goes wrong inside my orphanage, you wouldn't know because you don't know my kids. You know? Mm-mm. Today, I have 20 Mm-mm. and tomorrow, I have 15. You wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. All you see is just kids running here and there. You wouldn't it know is. the exact number. You wouldn't know if five of my kids are sold to someone else. You wouldn't know if someone died in that, you know, because you don't know. You don't know the this, existence of these kids. Sky, this is bougie. This is beyond it bougie. Is so beyond scary. It is like, how did the government overlook such a big thing? Why is there such a yeah. huge hole in the system? Mm-hmm. Like you can't go into any website and look for a complete list of all the orphanages and the orphans. Forget mm-hmm. N, or you can't find mm-hmm. a complete list of all the orphanages or all the children. Mm-hmm. list complete orphanages yang wujud kat Malaysia pun kita tak ada. Dia tak ada macam uh-huh. online system ke macam kalau kat US tak dia ada lah. Like any doji person who yeah. don't have. I could have a diploma in early childhood and I can start at an orphanage tomorrow. It's mm. as simple as that. Wonder what happens to these people, can? Exactly. They could be. Exactly. I mean, if they are murdered, is one thing, lah. But if they are, if they, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. In now, a negative but... spectrum, you know. Oh, oh, oh. It's not the possibilities are endless. Very positively, oh, oh. it's the possibilities mm-hmm. are endless in the dark side. Yes, it just goes deeper say, and deeper. Oh, God. Ah, it goes deeper and deeper and there's no way you can go around it. Yeah, there is nothing. There's just no no way around it. I feel like the most important thing that the government can do is to come up with a name list. If you don't even have a system to regulate this often, you know, like how in America, they have this like, foster system, lah, apa, like, yeah, 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 it doesn't is, have yeah, to be yeah, that. Yeah. It doesn't have to go to that extent because I understand Malaysia doesn't work the same way as America. But you could just yeah. have this six monthly checkup, you know, ask them, have someone go over and just look at the kids and go through the name list mm-hmm. that six months ago, we had 12 kids. Do we still have 12 kids now? It's as simple as mm-hmm. that, but nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we can go on and on about yeah, this. Yeah, we and, can go on and yeah. on. It's a very interesting that, conversation. That child, that Down syndrome girl, she could have mm. died. If she di- did mm-hmm. die, she would have just been discarded as another nameless body. And the what place happened would have... to her? Yeah, she was moved to a governmental facility and being taken better care for now. 
But how as do I we, said, how, how, how do we, we ensure? Sure she um, yeah. She's basically a celebrity now. I mean, not to be disrespectful, but the case brought way too much spotlight on her. So there are sponsors, definitely. There are people looking out for her. And the government, okay. they cannot keep her in the dark, you know. She is known to the public. Her existence and her suffering is known to the public. So they are obligated to give her a better life now. You know, it's a good thing. What about the rest? Who is not? Bye. Then? I, mean, I know it's she's insensitive, one, but she's that one is... In 1, yeah, she's one in 1,000. And the... I really don't mean this in a very insensitive way, but she got so lucky that someone spoke about it, you know? She was mm-hmm. in that house suffering for over months and some, for some reason, someone thought that, you know what, we should report this. And that's why she was found. It mm-hmm. could still be happening now if that person, I don't know, went to work and decided that, you know what, I'm not going to be involved. She could still be suffering now and for all we knew, she could have been dead and nobody would have found out about this binary person. Mm-hmm. That's how broken mm-hmm. our system is. So yeah, we found yeah. out about one child we found out about one child being abused by one of a very reputable orphanage at that, that place at that taman. How many orphanages mm. do we have? How are we sure that, that not other kids are not going through the same thing? We are not because we just don't know. Okay. The government don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Mm. It just happened. And the funny thing also here that they have enough money, you know, funding to, to support oh, this. I know the for sure. I I've the seen donations from the government has enough money to the government have enough money to build rail track club to all ah. this. I'm like, oh, it's so interesting. And then kind. all these contractors, kind all these contractors, uh, companies make millions and they become rich. They send their kids to uh, overseas, but they don't have enough to fund this. You know what I mean? Forget about these NGOs, you know, like we, they are not obligated. The people who are obligated is the government. Have you seen our, our budget yeah. system? Has it, does it even have one mention about orphanages? No. Exactly. Why? You call them the children of the community, yeah. but the community doesn't look out for them. The government doesn't have a space for them in every annual budget. It generally states that kebajikan wanita dan masyarakat is given this many amount. But nobody specifically states that for the education mm-hmm. of orphans, we will give this amount. You know, currently I'm working with an orphan called um, um, The Kids Home, you know, and they're one of the good ones we've met. They really work hard towards getting the children educated. So this orphan girl goes to school, studies and everything, and now she's at a point in life where she is capable of receiving tertiary education. She's a smart child. But because she's an orphan, she does not have the security and does not have the funding to continue to a degree. Mm-hmm. So the orphan mm-hmm. is like every week at the charity, every week at the, you know, fundraiser. But banyak je lah you boleh raise in mm-hmm. that kind of event, you know. There's no way you're going to save up for that child to study tertiary education. I rasa all this, all this budget allocated goes to the person who in charge of the, apa, of the orphanage and go into their pocket. Kan, the menteri-menteri kat atas. It doesn't even oh, reach the orphan. I rasa lah. <laughs> I don't have a proof to say this, but exactly. I think it's very it's fishy like this. It's very fishy to allocate a budget that much millions of dollars, and then and claim to go to all these places 
And then for all you know, all these orphanages sometimes, maybe not all, I don't know. I have no proof that but this is just a conspiracy mm. theory. In the budget Malaysia, right, it's like, it's like, oh, we give you like 100 million for kebajikan wanita and masyarakat. It's as general as that. So kebajikan wanita and masyarakat could be anything. It could be domestic violence victims. It could be funding um, single mom entrepreneurship. This kind of things. It could be anything. There is no single state saying that we're allocating 100 thousand for this, 50,000 of that should go to the orphanages. No. There's just no mention mm-hmm. of orphans ever in the budget. So, mm-hmm. even if the menteri tak bagi kepada orphanage tu, sah aja lah because you didn't tell me I have to do that. I could use the money for some other mm-hmm. person. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, I know, I know for sure some don't get to them. It doesn't get. Mm. Oh, do they collect so much money through zakat, through yeah. this taxes collection? I know they collect because they declare the amount, can? Sometimes yeah. it goes millions, like 10 millions on, on it, just, it just uh, you know, maybe because I'm salty. Yeah, I'm always very salty mm. about it because they're always like, oh, we're going to restart the um, Singapore Malaysia LRT project. I'm like, for what? For what now? You know how much important things we have at hand? Yeah. yeah. But they can start <laughs> stuff like that. They can. But at the same time, they cannot neglect stuff like this. Yes, you know exactly. I mean? You can do that. You can do A. Yes, do your B. priorities need to be set straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I love this conversation. But how does this journey <laughs> and experience has changed you? And how have you benefited from your chosen path in life? You see, I would say that Forika hasn't benefited me in any way. Work has just brought in a lot of stress. <laughs> I was just about this. Because you cannot solve it. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if yeah, if I, I started Forica, like me and my friends started Forica, we had a lot of dreams. But we went to like two orphanages and sold like 50 bracelets and then full stop. Everybody's gone mm-hmm. off to live their own lives. I don't blame them, you know. Like we're there, we're when we started it, we were like um reused kids. So they want to go and get their degree, their master and setting their life straight. It's their right. I just Mm-mm. feel that we started something so important then we just left it because no one is giving us the enough acknowledgement. So it's just there. Forika is constantly just floating in the back of my mind causing more stress and distress but it hasn't benefited me or the system in any way. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what are the challenges you face? Mm. that you need to encounter how do you have to cope it and what is your defining moment for for starters right like before we're talking about foreca we were talking about stress right mm. stress have definitely given me more meaning in life because that is something that i can handle i can't mm. change the system like the way malaysia treats stray animals is as rubbish as it treats its orphans or even mm. worse but mm. I have this set of animals which I care for deeply. You know, they're my community animals. I feed them. I take care of them. And they are in great health. So every morning mm-hmm. when I go out and feed them and I, they come, I know that I've mm-hmm. made a difference in this set of lives. And they're going to yeah, go on yeah. and have a quality life. They probably never have a home, but they have me. And they mm-hmm. know me. They know my family. They know my house. So that has given me so much more. You know, I feel like an important person because of that. Like, I need mm-hmm. to wake up in the morning and I now need to go to work so that I can afford to buy food and medication for these cats. It's important. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't do it, who's going to do it? They rely on mm-hmm. me now untuk makan dua kali sehari, so it's my responsibility. 
that is one of the thing which keeps me going you know like all yeah. the stress in the world of like and not having achieving your dream or something i found a calling in being important to the animals like i have to go to work now i have to be able to afford good medical system for these kids you know they look up to me and they're going to fall sick every day and i have to be able to afford that is one of my biggest motivation to get up and do things in life to increase my affordability of feeding my cats <laughs> Uh, how do you take care of yourself now you sound like you have are in a lot of stress now you focus on this little thing with your animals i think which is very good how do you focus on yourself like what do you do to keep yourself healthy mm, i don't really have a set of uh, proper guidelines for that profi honestly because mm-hmm. when i first started it it was a uh, stressful you know they'll fall sick frequently but i get so much uh, happiness in seeing them you know i get so much joy in watching them flourish every day and sometimes i tell myself like you know what that's enough that's enough of seeing them how happy they are you know that when they when there is rain they know where to come when they're hungry they know where to come when they're hurt they know where to come and i'm happy to see them come when i call that it makes me happy but when i sit at night and think about it I am happy my heart is full but I'm also very tired like penat lah you know taking care of other people but then nobody's caring for me you know I know yeah, it sounds trivial yeah, but true. but you know it's it's only human to be one to cat be cat for you know but yeah uh, that's it lah I I find my happiness in 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 looking at them you know I spend a lot of time with them and things like that my happiness stems from them when they're healthy I'm the most happiest person in the world but they fall sick all the time <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that your animals are your source of strength? Definitely. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, you know, when you I plummeted so low at one point during pre-U days that you know, um, it is sensitive to mention, but I've contemplated not continuing to live. You know, I don't see the point of what you what am I living for? Like, what's the point of this life? Let's put an end to it. Mm-hmm. And then came in these animals who needed me to get off my bed. You know, they needed me to get out, get the plates, feed them. They needed me okay. to carry them to the clinic. Like they gave me so much value. They gave me so much yeah. things to do. You know, like I had so much things to do. Aku tak ada masa nak fikirkan suicide ke nak terjun bangunan. Mm-hmm. I didn't have time to do that. And at, after mm-hmm. a few months, that thought just is not in me anymore. You know, the thing that I think mm-hmm. of now is like, I can't die. If I die, who's going to feed my strays? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like my life has steered so far in a positive direction, mm. I would say, because now I feel important that I need to take care of myself. I need to make sure that I am safe, because if I don't do it, nobody's going to care for my animals. No sir, no sir. What is your most valuable lesson in life, and what are the words of wisdom you hold? Maybe you can share your advice on how to live in the present. I think. Like you said, you know, when we started this session, that I'm very vocal on social media about the things that happen around me, be it mm. government, be it about the animals, be it about children, be it about Israel, Palestine. The most important thing that I learned is that you need to speak up when you're given the chance. You don't have to be someone important. What mm. counts is did you do something about it? I'm not a rich person. I'm not a politician. I'm not, you know, someone important. So. What I do is what I can do. I reach out to that few hundred people on my Instagram, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I'm mm-hmm. 100% sure out of 400 people who follow me, at least 50% of the people would have seen the story. And maybe at least yes. 20% would have had a change in heart. And that's all. That's all it takes, you know. Yeah. It doesn't take long to post that story. People are like, apa gunanya? You post story to you buka siapa-siapa pun. It will change at least one mind. And I believe yeah. in that. This is a yeah. small effort that you must do. You know, when we have elections and everything, I, I really love Malaysia. But I mm-hmm. don't love the government so much. So I, just, I love Malaysia. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is an important thing for me to voice out because whenever you talk against the government, people think that you're going against Malaysia. But no, it's two no, different no, things. Yeah. I speak against the government because of my love for the country. You're stirring yeah, something yeah. so precious to me in the wrong yeah. direction. And as a community member, I speak out. Whether or not mm-hmm. it makes a change, it's a different set of issues. What did I do today to change this? Is first step I voice up. Mm-mm. That and is the most out, important thing. Yeah, and speaking out doesn't mean you're against it. You just yes, have to speak exactly. out to, to change your situation. You must to make tell it the world what is yeah. right is right, what is wrong is wrong. Yeah. I really hate yeah. the idea of neutral yeah. standing, you know, to stand yeah. in the safe ground. I always feel that if I mm-hmm. pick a neutral side today, when tomorrow something happens to me, I cannot blame the community when they pick a neutral side. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And now that I have so many kids, I always feel that I need to do the right thing. You know, I need to gather the correct kind of karma for my kids. You know, yeah. I believe yeah. in that, that yeah. I need to do good so that good energy will be surrounding my kids and wherever they go, they'll be looked after. So it is a very selfish thing. I look after people so that my children are looked after one day. I'm not going to deny that it is it is a very altruistic or something. It's really like that. You know, I speak out for the children around the world in hopes that one day if my child is going to face the same situation, someone will be there to speak out for them. Yes. I speak out for my country so that one day when things go aside, people around the world will look at me and speak out for me. You know, it's not it's the world is not a place you live alone. It's you mm-hmm. live with, with the people, with the community. So you need cool. to do do your work. You don't have to put in that much money. Just use your voice to speak to that few people around you. Tell them exactly. the right stance. You know, just exactly. tell them that this is right, this is wrong. Exactly, exactly. I like that ideology. It's to work with what you have within exactly. the you people know, it, around it, you. You don't, it doesn't even have to take much. Yeah. It doesn't even yeah. take much. It's just to yeah. put your thoughts yeah. into words and then yeah. put it on Instagram. It's take like 30 seconds. But it matters. It really matters. Because it one matters. person could yeah. probably change their mind reading your story. Yes, yes. Beautiful, Sky. Beautiful. This is a really well reflection of your moment in time. And before we end this conversation, what are your hopes and dreams? Well, I definitely hope for better welfare for orphans, be it orphan children or orphan animals, you know. To me, they're, they're alike. Um, people don't like me saying this, but it is very similar, you know. Both parties got no people to hold on to. Both parties are very not well-treated. Both parties are the responsibility of the community, but the community does nothing for them, you know. So my, my sole hope in this lifetime is I hope that I can bring out some change for the betterment of the orphans or the animals that I look after. That is my 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 end goal now is that, you know, it just pains me to see both 
community animals and community children are going towards doom nobody looking after them you're being abused it is just painful to see that the authorities take part majorly in abusing them you know so i just yeah. hope that in this lifetime if god wills i'll be able to make at least a small change for the betterment of these children Oh, I'm glad so <laughs> to have this conversation with you. I really am. I am beyond uh, inspired, amazed by the things that we talked about today. You are an inspiration to me. I'm so proud that I have you on my show to really address these issues and just go beyond who Sky Malavili is. This oh. is your <laughs> moment in time. It really is, and I'm. It really <laughs> is like. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think sometimes I sit in the KTM station, you know, like traveling to Dra. I feel like if people see me, they probably see see like uh, an empty bin sitting there. But these are the thoughts which go through my head, you know, like like mm-hmm. there's a web of thoughts which go through my head, and it's difficult because it's just spinning webs after webs without any solution. But these are the things that I think of on a daily basis, and a lot of my friends knew me as a very introverted person. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like to. You know, I am an extroverted. We only accept a group of friends. I'm that kind of a person. I'm a very quiet person. So, you giving me an opportunity to speak about this in a very mm-hmm. safe space is also important because people finally know I'm not just that ton kosong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Yeah. You're definitely not ten kosong. <laughs> You're not an empty bin. You are definitely not. I mean. And I think you should continue to drive this force ahead when you can, however you can. Yeah, it's okay definitely. to take a break. It's okay to take a break. I think, and sometimes, you know, this work will never end. Hmm, that is definitely I true. It, I don't think it it will ever end too. But um, I'm I'm in fully you know support this cause. I really am. Um. Thank you, Sky, for sharing your stories <laughs> with me. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and and just listening. You know, it's been a long time when someone is given a year to listen for something as important as this. So thank you so much for giving me a platform to speak out my mind and express my emotions safely. It is very important that you continue to do what you do as well because I'm a nobody. And you've given me a voice and a leverage to be somebody, and that's very important because there's so many nobodies out there who's working for a good cause. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Support the He Podcast via a one-time donation, a monthly subscription from as low as one dollar, a lifetime membership. And purchase his exclusive collection of merchandise. And for all other business inquiries, at buymeacoffee.com/rafi. Thank you for listening to He. A new episode is available every Thursday. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at RafiRidzwan and at He Podcast for all the updates and behind the scenes. Once again, thank you for listening to He with Rafi Ridzwan.